by the way, I found a couple of headlines that I forgot to put in the document because I'm just so slow today. Nice. VFX workers at Marvel vote to unionize. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did. So that's good. VFX good industry is overworked. And that's half the reason that most films these days are mediocre. Yep. Hey, hopefully the rest of them unionized. Maybe that's all we need to say about it, though, in the intro, I guess. Uh, should I add it to the list or should we just pretend that this was real we'll, we'll pretend this was planned we want we cool. decided to start the show by talking instantly about the news because that's what we do. <laughs> I'll do i've got two more after this who cares about the personal stuff let's talk about unions i got two more call it i got two more all right okay let's hear them italian prime minister sues some random singer for calling her a fascist and a racist really who'd uh who'd they sue uh plus the placebo singer brian Molko. oh but he's yeah. sh- shaking in his boots. Apparently, the the rules in Italy surrounding like lawsuits like this are pretty flexy. Like if you just oh. make fun of the government, just didn't like a guy. Okay, yes, that's criminal defamation. Okay, well, good luck to placebo. And then also, we, we this actually one was more serious. Maybe we should talk about it, but I don't think I know enough about it to talk about it properly. But the whole thing <laughs> okay. is going on in Niger. It's right never now. stopped us before. Or in Niger. I mean, we probably should talk about Niger. Yeah, let's let's add that to the end, shall we? Okay. You, you, yeah. you lump that you just put put that in there sorry everybody you've uh, joined our pre-production meeting yeah 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 and um, just so happens to be the start of the show so how are you James other than being uh, unwell oh yeah well we didn't, we didn't say that yet you know that again the, 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 the listeners didn't know that no, we, we didn't record that part of the, pre, we uh, the pre-pro meeting yeah, with the, the pre-pre meeting yeah uh, I've managed <laughs> to create through sheer willpower and incredible um, body function my own throat infection nice because I've not gone anywhere. Just let, since, yep, not left anything. Since we hung out at a wedding, right? That's the last time I've wow. done anything. And that was a while ago. Yeah, it was, like yeah. Two days ago, three days ago, I started getting a throat infection. I'm like, hey, Look, how is that possible? <laughs> Genuinely, how is that possible? Know. I don't know. I woke up, looked in the mirror, and I had like a proper swollen throat, throat infection. So I'm thinking maybe it's just like I, I, had, I caught something at the wedding, and after a, a week and a bit of. It doing nothing eventually. It was like, haha, throat infection. There's no way. There's no way it could just like linger that long. What? That was nearly three weeks, man. I'd buy it. Diseases are weird. Illnesses are weird. They do whatever they want. But no, I'm good. Aside from that, I'm good. And so your body has just essentially done the viral equivalent of spontaneously combusting and saying, hello, throat infection, pronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So aside from that, it's fine. And I'm able to talk, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be recording. So who cares? Fair enough. But uh, no, not not ready to die just yet. Not yet. Although I did just finish an audiobook called They Both Die at the End, so oh. I'm feeling death is lingering over my shoulder. How'd they go? How was that? Was that a cheerful read? Listen? No. They both die at the end. <laughs> I gathered that, but was the rest of it worth? I feel like if I read a book called They Both Die at the End and there wasn't both dying at the end in it, I'd be, You'd be disappointed. You feel a little shortchanged. That's yeah, true. so I, I did leave this book feeling not very shortchanged. It's definitely, it was again, it was one of those, I've put the audiobooks on while I fall asleep, so I'm not really paying attention to the quality. It's more just about the fact that it's there. But it was adequate, and and it was an audiobook, and the people that were reading it were good, so that was the good part. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I, f- I may feel more like dying, well, more so than usual, Oh. Uh, after tomorrow, because tomorrow I am going into BBC Alba, uh-huh. because... Of that pitch I mentioned from like a month ago where they were like, hey, oh, really? terrible idea for a TV show. But we, hey, Colin, you're nice. You can come in. That's happening tomorrow. And I'm slightly scared 
that because all the emails have been in Gaelic, and I've had to be like, you know, replying in Gaelic too, that the entire conversation is going to be in Gaelic, and I'm going to make it a fool of myself because I can't reveal, I cannot converse in Gaelic to that level. You know, right. if it's basic stuff like, "Hey, what have you done this week?" and uh, "Tell me what the weather's like," and "What what's the word for what your arm is?" Right. Fine. If it's Colin, what's the future of the working class in the northeast part of Lanarkshire? I'm screwed. So, oh, if, if this is the last episode, then they both died at the end. <laughs> Wait, hang on. <laughs> no. Um, so, 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 oh, you're so, all of your <laughs> your emotional support, like <laughs> clown. You are my uh, what's it called? Something, a something pet, a comfort pet? No, that's not the right word. Emotional support. Emotional support animal. I just said it. You're my... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Clearly, I'm just so frazzled. You are my emotional support animal. Yeah, sure. Um, so <laughs> you ha- all of the emails have been in, in Gaelic. They have. Including mine. So, and this consists of you, like, several drafts for each sentence to make sure it's correct, right? <laughs> well, no. It, it consists of me attempting to write it in Gaelic... And then, because I don't know how to do the graves and the accents and stuff, right? Because I, I, well, there's really one. Yeah, that's it's true. A graph. And it goes, it goes lefty ways. I'm, yeah. Then t- I then copy what I've written and I paste it into Google Translate, oh. and then I put it into the English, and then I put it no. back into the Gaelic, and then I copy and paste it, and then I go back through you it. And it's like, does that make okay. sense? Does that look right? Not quite. Let's rephrase it. So I do it simply to get the graves rather than to get google translate to write all my sentences because i know that's not right it's getting better it used to be really bad these days it's like it's, it's adequate so yeah okay okay if you're only doing it for grav stuff and you can actually just like first time draft it without like having to think hard you might have a, be able to have a better conversation than you expect yeah uh, granted it's it's it is difficult because talking isn't the same as writing in the sense that talking you usually don't even know what you're trying to say until you've said it <laughs> you're not done until you're done Exactly, that's the point. And, and because my brain is still at the process of like having to think really hard about what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm not yet at hurdy-gurdy-gurdy as I am in English. Yeah, so, no, there's not as much uh, of an instinct of it. Uh, to, to like, yeah. okay, I get it, So I get we'll it. see. Either I'm going to leave with like a consistent opportunity for work, or I'll leave and uh, that's the last that, that I hear from them. So we'll see. Well, you could just, you could just like preempt it and walk in and they're like... You know, give it a hand. Oh, And then eventually, you just say, you know, my gal, my my speaking isn't as good as my writing um, yet. That's it. Yeah. It. Okay. I just need to figure out how you to just, say that. You've got to preempt it <laughs> and say it at the first point that it is sensible. Yeah. As soon as we've got past the Kimberhashiv, then I'll I'll just be like, just to let you know. Yeah. I'm I am not comfortable in this space. I must re- re- I must return to English. Well. Sorry. Uh, you, you're you the professional how to talk good person, so you'll figure out the way to say it. And I've, I've also I've like I've figured out how to say I'm comfortable reading scripts on camera and on the microphone, but when I'm having to come up with stuff on the spot, that's where I struggle because I'm going to get it wrong. So Yeah, exactly. Truth. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's accurate. You've, got to, you've just got to say that before they realize it. You've got to be the one. It, Initiative. It's, it's essentially what I do on the show, which is when I'm talking from... Not so much a script, but when I've got some facts on my phone in front of me, then things are fluent. But then when I have to come up with an opinion, 
suddenly things go off the rails and we yeah. start talking about um, Marvel unions at uh, 15 seconds into the podcast. And But you've, you're good at kind of like making reading sound a bit natural because you've, you've learned how. Sure, I'll take that. That is one thing I know I can do. I can't. <laughs> so I, I try to avoid reading while we're doing this. And then whenever I have to read, it's very obvious. <laughs> I, I was having, and I've been having quite the existential crisis for a couple of months now of of like doubting my own ability in basically every facet of life, including... That happens, yeah. It, it, it does, but yeah, it's just been kind of intensified lately. Yeah. And the current the current issue was having some severe doubts about th- things I am, I am actually good at. Because, right. and this was brought to the fore, because we were watching Better Call Saul, uh-huh. and Graham, out of nowhere, he's not a voiceover artist, he doesn't do presenting, he comes out with this pitch-perfect impression of, of Kim from Better Call Saul. Okay. The sort of, oh, Jimmy. <laughs> How <laughs> I mean, could you? Just, you? You just did a terrible one, so. Uh... Right, precisely, <laughs> to demonstrate the point. And he can go out, and we tur- it turned out, we chatted this between ourselves, he can do about a dozen okay. pretty good impressions and accents. Right. And I can do one, which is Patrick from Spongebob, and that has got me nowhere. So, right, but impressions uh, isn't what you get paid to do. No, but if I could do them, and if I could do accents, then I would actually be able to, you know, maybe make a career out of doing voiceovers rather than just getting one a month where I impersonate Ian Sterling. Just, do, just it's not learn quite a career. received pronunciation. Get that BBC voice. Well, this is the whole issue. And then being like, well, you can do, you're good at that. And you're good at hair stuff. And you're good at cooking. And you're good at common sense. And you're good at just... You know, managing life. What you, can so I you do? you feel like your partner outshines you in every regard. P- pretty much, yeah. And then I was like, the only thing that I'm better at you at is making money. And that's not really a good thing. It's a useful thing. Well, useful, but good is, is... You're also better at music. My six monthly listeners would beg to differ. You're better at music. Fine. Yeah, get ruined. I came up with one straight away. Your brain... But it's, but it's not so much better. It's like, what you know, you're good, not at? good at? You're not good at thinking about things you're good at. That's what you're trash at. Get out of here. And, and that's... Get good at think, <laughs> thinking about things you're good at. So so on the on the list of things I was good at, the other one was, funnily enough, as you mentioned it, reading something and making it sound like I've, I'm just coming up with it on the spot. Yeah. So lo and behold, listeners, I've just been reading a script for the last four minutes. Hey. You can also text. You can also text on a buttony buttony phone in your pocket. You can text about the. I used to be good at that. School, actually, yeah, you're right. That's impressive. I was good at that. I was impressed. Yeah. Can you just? Can you still do shorthand? Kind of. Not really. Sometimes depends on the word. You're still better than the average person at shorthand. But it's that's not impressive. like a skill that's going to get me anywhere. It's a whole point. It's a skill as much as like. Doing impressions is a no, skill. No, but if I could do that, then actually I'd be doing, I'd be making progress in a career instead of just doing impersonate or poor impersonations of someone much more successful. <laughs> just get paid to do your voice. Yeah, but people don't want that. People don't want some like gay yeah, that's, Highlander. That's the, that's the goal: is to make it so that people do want. Speaking of, speaking of, totally unrelated. I'm asking you for a favor here. Could you give us like a sample of like? Scottish radio voice. Would you, what, mine or just a Scottish radio voice? No, you know that really like, you know that like the radio voice, if you turn on the radio in Glasgow and they're all doing their, I'm like, from Glasgow, one. but yeah, that one. Do that just for a second. Capital, you're listening to Capital. That was Kylie Minogue, Padam Padam. Song of the summer so far. Big fan of that one. Coming up soon. Big contest. Check it out. Perfect. Capital FM. 
Love it. Perfect. Thank Maybe who's listening. Thank you. I appreciate it. I was talking about I was talking about Scottish radio voice to people the other day, and now I've got a sample. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. It's like the time I got you to uh, send me a video of yourself saying happy birthday to my mum. I was streaming, yeah. So it was her 60th, yeah. and I messaged you to say, hey, I joined one of your streams, yeah. and I said, hello, can you please say happy birthday, Christine, and I'm going to screen record you and send it to my mum, and you did. Right. I did, yeah. So that that's the favour of being repaid. You're welcome. Oh, oh man, I cashed that in really poorly. Literally took you four years to cash it in, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, Colin, you're a skilled, you're a skilled individual. Says who? Stop getting stuff like this get to you. This is the, the whole point. Like says just... me, and I'm real. <sighs> says me. Okay. I'm real smart. Well, I will, I will take, I will take the compliment. You're very kind. Oh wow, you actually did. Well, well done. But we're working on it. Yeah, no, it's it. good to also always have drive to improve. That's good. Well, no, but it's 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 like not quite the drive to improve because usually I'm quite good at that. Like always looking to see, okay, can I improve? our courses or how i uh-huh. coach people or is there anything more i can learn it's more just at the moment the, the kind of resignation of actually I, I i'm not the person i thought i was and that's mm-hmm. that's more challenging it is in yeah. terms of a a rut because i'm now i'm like i'm like i'm almost at the shrugged shoulders like nah. totally checked okay, out okay kind of position at the moment all right I, I get it and it is it's a it's a proper challenge that a lot of people do face like the whole uh, every part of life imposter syndrome kind of thing um there's no easy way that it's it, people go to therapy for it for 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 whatever reason that's fine but at the same time uh, you are pretty good at being driven so I would be surprised if, like, in two weeks' time, you came out of it and you're like, "Oh, I figured out how to make it motivate me instead." Okay, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, we will we will see if your surprise or or lack of surprise is maintained. It's surprising, yeah. It, it mm-hmm. may well be surprising. That is true. Okay, well, welcome we might be. to Cease Operate episode three one eight, the show which will eventually die at the end. Yeah, and thank you very much for listening. Although it's not today, we both we both will, I guess. Yeah, yeah. eventually. Yeah, I mean we're wow. we're still some way off, like a a big number. I think the biggest big number still to come is five hundred, but that's going to take us for years. episodes. We've got to just think of funny numbers in between. All right. Okay. Well, three, three, three. We got. That's we got, coming up. We'll talk about Elon on 420. Uh, 3-3-3 is a very nice number. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, you're listening to Scotland's longest-running entertainment-slash-news-slash-existential-crisis um, podcast. Health updates. Health updates. Yeah, just, you know, do you, are you good at anything? Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> in existence. Yeah. Yeah. You let us know what you think you're actually not good at in email form. S- send us a long list and we'll read it out to... Uh, t- for the encouragement of all the listeners who are also feeling the same way, uh, this is yeah yeah. So thank you for for the words, uh, James. You are James, and uh, Colin is still here. Wow, hanging on, mm-hmm. and we're it's what, no, okay. and we're gonna talk about lots of things that happened over the last little while, including indeed quite a long while. Actually. It has been a little while. Yeah, just kind of life took over. So you know, we're here now. I was in England, and then I was in. Scotland, and wow, I've just I've just been here. There was a wedding. It was a wedding. Yeah, it was it was nice to see lots of people at wedding. There were, um, there were lots of people there. Anyone who's listening, I appreciate and remember the nice things you said about my hair. Thank you. Ah, yes, they were very nice. Nice compliments were paid. Indeed. 
even unintentionally. Indeed. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, compliments. This barge that migrants have gone on, apparently, it's perfectly decent. Oh, that's very, very Sold. good. How kind of the UK government. <laughs> perfectly decent. Is that really the best they could do? Um, it's it's the bar. Oh yeah, hang on. I'm assuming you've cut out. I've, no, uh, no, no. I've I've I was pausing for the music. Okay. <laughs> oh, you were. Yeah. So so this is the story that the first asylum seekers have boarded the Bibby Stockholm. I can't believe just, it's called that. It's a just terrible, so terrible name for a boat. Like I didn't like Boaty McBoat face, but I think this would have maybe more more embarrassed if <laughs> it's it's like a few letters away from Pippi Longstocking which is bad enough right but yes uh, asylum seekers were boarding the Bibby Stockholm and a significant number who had initially refused have now changed their minds according to the immigration minister Robert Jenrick all right I wonder what changed their mind being threatened I imagine <laughs> Ooh, but yeah. uh, asylum seekers already on the vessel have been describing the conditions. One told the BBC it was like a prison without the room to accommodate 500 people. Uh, others have complimented the food and the cleanliness. Mm. And apparently residents are free to come and go. Minister said, yeah, it was safe and perfectly decent. Perfectly decent. And this barge is floating off the coast of Weymouth okay. in the southeast of England. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can't say it looks particularly appealing. No. But this is the latest move to uh, stop the migrants. Just put them on a big boat when they get off the small put them boat. On a boat, and then they they count less as a migrant. I don't I don't understand this one. It doesn't. We've talked about the barges already. We have. I don't get it. They're still on a barge in our waters, being taken care of by us in a way that is more expensive than just all the other options. Yeah. It doesn't make them less migrated, you know? They're still here, just in the same system, in the same queue. Well, they're, they're, they're floating now, but just not in the way that some Tories would like. But yeah, true. It's, maybe that's it. Maybe they're thinking they're floating. It's close enough to them floating without a barge. Um, so they're happy. But that's the one meaning. I don't get it. For me, it makes zero difference to their status. It does not. Um, aside from it's just less humane, it's less nice, and it's more expensive. They've also said, this is a, a, another asylum seeker from Afghanistan who told the BBC, they told us we have to go on the barge. It's basically on a no-choice basis. Ah, that's what changed The sound mind. of locks and security checks gives me the feeling of entering Alcatraz. Yeah. Which, uh, if you need the reference, is the island prison off the coast of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that would be, that's a big part of it, I guess, is that, uh, you know, <laughs> on the bars, you can just close the doors and leave, take it away. If, 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 if you want all the migrants to be slightly somewhere else, you just move the thing, and maybe that's the appeal. Um, I know a lot of cities and councils and whatever are preemptively rejecting the idea of, like, allowing the barge to dock i know glasgow edinburgh uh -huh. and other cities have all have already said no barges please yeah uh which i get but at the same time i want those cities to step up and say no barges please here's something here's else what we're doing instead sure you know that would be nice so ju just to give you the context this bibby stockholm is the flagship of the government's latest plan uh to stop those boats by putting them on a bigger boat and it's for men 
between the ages of 18 to 65 who will live on the vessel whilst they await the outcome of their applications. It does sound a lot like a prison. It, it, well, it is essentially a floating prison, yeah. I don't know. We need far better solutions than this, and especially stuff that isn't as ridiculously expensive as a barge. But, uh, for, from the Tories' perspective, though, they would say, well, what's the alternative? Putting people up in hotels? We're not going to do that anymore. Here's a boat. Here's a 1.8 billion pound boat. Build, build the accommodation. Invest in the actual buildings required so we don't have to pay the private sector for hotels. Okay, well, keep building it as well. You can sell off the old stuff to hotels. Yeah, speaking of private sector, let's take a sideways step to what's also been happening with the Tories and the private sector in the last week. And And this is the news that ministers, uh, launched by the health minister, Maria Maria Caulfield, announced that they are going to, in their words, unlock spare capacity Mm -hmm. to get more people treatment and operations that they're waiting on Mm -hmm. from the NHS. Mm -hmm. And to do that, they're going to use the private sector. Mm -hmm. So this includes opening eight privately run diagnostic centres using new rules to make it easier for the NHS to purchase care from the private sector, and that this was aimed at getting the waiting lists down. Yeah. But yes, Health Minister warned that in the short term, the lists were going to get worse before they get better. Yeah. So more private sector, the NHS. Yeah, and... Feels ominous. It does, because this is their ultimate goal, is to have private sector NHS, you know. Um, There are some instances where I absolutely think the NHS should have more power to interface with the private sector, to do more regarding um, paying them to do what they're good at, because the private sector will be specialists in things that maybe the the NHS lacks in certain areas. Um, So, like, there are elements of this where you can be like, yeah, making it easier, probably good. Uh, the private sector also should be held accountable for their mistakes and have to pay instead of their mistakes falling back onto the NHS and us paying for the private sector's mistakes, stuff like that. But ultimately, if the Tories are in charge of it, you know that it's just them trying to weaken uh, the NHS even further. So instead of just investing in making the NHS better, more capable, able to handle more patients, building those hospitals they promised, for example, they're just using other people's resources at great expense. Again, an expensive solution to something that we could just be handling right. maybe over time and maybe should have started handling 20 years ago. I want to I keep this moving, but essentially the, the feedback from all of this has, has been even people like Labour, and here's a Helen Buckingham from the Nuffield Trust who said that at the moment, using the private sector, private sector, private sector was necessary, yeah. but that unintended consequences... Yeah must be considered and that is where i believe the concern comes from which is we just get to a point where this is now the norm and the private sector begins then ramping up its costs and by this point we're so settled into a position of using the nhs as this essentially way to get people treated more quickly that we think all right okay well uh we've got a choice now either we chuck even more money at the nhs to pay for private health care Or they just start selling bits off and they say, look, if you want to get seen within six weeks, then go private. Sign here. Yeah, those are the dangers that we get dependent on the sector and then the private sector knows that they can just ask for whatever money they want and they'll get it. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's kind of similar in that if this is a solution for the short term, we also need to hear how they're going to get rid of this being the solution in the long term. We need the the long term plan for 
investing in the NHS to make it do its job correctly so we don't have to depend on the super expensive solutions. But are they going to do that? No. Nope. Is Labour interested in doing that? Nope. No. So doomed for the future. Hopefully, again, I get silver linings only here. Uh, we're in Scotland. Scotland's NHS is run slightly differently. Hopefully, we can have more sway here over keeping it less private. Okay, well, we have talked in the past about record-breaking ocean temperatures. We're going to revisit that, but before we do, the latest climate-related news is that at least 36 people have died as wildfires have torn through the Hawaiian island of Maui. Yes. So the deaths in the city of Lahaina, which is the main tourist destination on the island. Yeah, more importantly, I believe it's the first or among the first, like, provably settled areas as well. Like, this is a place of history. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, this the the place where it's all burned down, essentially, was, yeah, centuries old. So, yeah, that's rotten. So this huge search and rescue operation is still going. There's a lot of people still unaccounted for. Thousands have had to evacuate their yeah. homes. State of emergency has been declared. And if you've seen the pictures, it, it, it's yeah. it's nightmare-esque. So yeah. I, I suspect that the number of, of dead is going to rise. But once again, this is um, provable evidence once more that the summer, as yeah. we've seen across the world is, um, yeah, havoc is being wreaked well, things, yeah, things, due things, to the climate. The climate is extreme. We got ex- ex- we got extreme heats, extreme cold, we got extreme everything, and we're going to be seeing more of these fires in all sorts of places. Yeah, yeah. We've already seen several fires in, in Europe. We've seen them in America. We've seen them in Canada. In fact, we didn't even um, talk about the ones in roads. Yeah, we didn't, because... Um, because of these huge fires that displace loads of people and kill tons of people is are going to be super common. It's going to be one of those things where we don't have the bandwidth to talk about every single one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't have the uh, imagery in my brain to comprehend how these things happen. Like because when you see the fires going through a forest, you're like, oh, that makes sense. You know, a forest those burn. And you see the fires going through uh, like a like a, a plain of like grass and whatever. You're like, yeah, that makes sense that stuff burns but when you see it just like tearing through a town or a city over like a bunch of roads a bunch of concrete a bunch of metal infrastructure i don't understand Mm -hmm. those are those those, brain doesn't yeah they've got to be so so huge and hot and to be to be jumping over all this infrastructure and continuing to burn right through it it's terrifying yeah we've had the u.s senator from hawaii brian schatz who said on social media that lahaina is almost totally burnt to the ground yeah which is yeah, yeah, terrible. Twelve thousand people lived there. Yeah, the videos I've seen of the fire itself, terrifying, and then the results, terrifying. And if this is something that we're to just be being told is to be expected for the future, these fires that tear through towns and cities, it's pretty scary. And it and I just I hope that one we intervene in the long term, and two that everybody that's been displaced here mm-hmm. is got really good like compensation, all the help they need, all the aid because. What on earth do you do if this happens to you? Well, I read this morning that it's been the most expensive year so far. Well, actually, most expensive year on record for essentially insurance payouts. We're at $50 billion and it's it's just early August. Yeah, and, and I've seen reports on insurance companies removing themselves from certain places and this is america centric right now the most yeah, of the yeah, reports because yeah. we don't have quite a similar thing going on over here but i've seen reports of uh, insurance companies just not offering protection or cover for 
um, certain areas of the states for certain things now. So the situation's gotten so bad that insurance companies don't see a way to make money from certain places anymore and are not offering it. Okay, well, sticking with the States, one more big story from the last seven days, and that is, once again, former President Donald Trump uh, has yeah. appeared in court. Wow. How about that? He's pleaded not guilty to, this time, conspiring to overturn his 2020 election defeat. So it was just a, a short appearance in coat, uh, in, in coat. In coat. He may have been in a coat. I don't know. A jacket, at least. But he was uh, in a, a short court hearing. He confirmed his not guilty plea, name, age. Sure. And then told reporters outside this was persecution of a political opponent. Sure, yeah. Ahead yeah. of the election next year. And if you're keeping track, this is the former president's third appearance in court in four months. Yeah, so... As a criminal defendant. Yeah, so he's been indicted three Rather times. Than judge. Still hasn't been put in cuffs, still isn't being asked for to post bail or anything. It's almost like yep. he's in a separate class from the normal people who get in a lot of trouble hmm. at this point of proceedings, never mind later on. Um, again, it's another one of... This case is the, is the serious one. It's the one we've been asking for ever since January 6th. You know, uh-huh. they're, they're trying to get him down for... Um, organizing an attempt to overthrow government, basically. Um, and there's so, a bunch of co-conspirators named, some of whom yep. are kind of suggesting that maybe they'll they'll be on the team of witness rather than just exclusively okay. uh, being prosecuted. So some of them are maybe going to get plea bargains and stuff, but we don't know that yet. But the prosecution seems confident, and Trump's lawyers seem incompetent. So hopefully this proceeds very quickly before you right. know trump is free from being prosecuted for because he's like the president again let's say yeah so there's two issues to raise here the first one is the four charges in this latest indictment they are conspiracy to defraud the u.s yeah conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding yeah obstruction of an official proceeding mm-hmm. and conspiracy against the right of citizens which of course he's pled not guilty to all yeah, of them yeah yeah as he and prosecutors have then, this is the second point, and this is what the one you've just made, prosecutors told the hearing the case would benefit from a speedy trial. Mm-hmm. John Laurel, who is the defense attorney for Mr. Trump, said they would need more time and said that their timeline of the prosecution was absurd, given that the investigation itself had taken, well, he's saying here, three years. Yeah, uh, three years, yeah. And so to him... Almost. Ca- calling for a trial in, what, six months? Was unfair. Yeah, and that's going to be their play. They're, they they know that they can't prove that Trump's innocent. There's too much evidence. Um, uh-huh. And this is this is why we wanted this, you know, prosecution to occur much sooner. We wanted Trump to be getting in court over this a long time ago because the only play they have is to delay until there's a different president. Okay, and then hopefully the different president, whether it's Trump or somebody else, will just pre-pardon. Just ah, no, Trump, no crimes. And, and th- that is their place. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it works because, you know, it's a- apparently very easy to slow down the courts. Mm-hmm. And, but hopefully the judge and everybody else involved understands that maybe we don't allow them to slow things down. Because uh, for America, probably the most important trial that they've had in a long time. Right. Well, the next hearing is due to take place at the end of this month. But the judge may then set a trial date. 
Yeah. And of course, Mr. Trump has already been charged in two other cases and with more mishandling classified files and falsifying business records to cover up the hush money payment to yeah. Stormy Daniels. Yeah. And that now brings the tally to five upcoming trials. Yes. Three um, in New York, as well as civil trials over business practices and uh, alleged defamation. Yeah. The fourth trial, by the way, is in Florida relating to that mishandling of classified documents which he stashed at uh, his Mar-a-Lago residence. Yeah, and Sorry, the, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. allegedly. And there, and there's, Don't sue. There still might be more trials to come because there's the investigation sure. in Georgia still about uh, election interference and stuff like that. So um, it is crazy that somebody in this much trouble, I'm going to say, in the courts is still a viable candidate for anyone. Like, how do you look at him and be like, oh, yeah, probably still going to vote for this guy. He's still the front runner. But he is he is so far ahead in the the polls that he's he's going to win the the nomination. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, he will. Unless he unless one of these trials finishes real quick and completely swings things. Doubt it. Um doubt it. Trump looks like he's going to be the candidate for uh for the Republicans and of course, nobody's challenging Grandpa Biden. Um, so it's going to be Trump versus Biden uh again probably. Um, yep. But I do think that there is potential. There's enough people kind of saying that, you know, if any of these charges are actually real, whatever, they might not vote Trump. Yeah. That maybe Doubt there's it. a chance for the Republicans to, to put the effort required in to get somebody else in. But the rest of the field is yep. failing really badly. And also the rest of the field is not that much better than Trump, but really. There's an argument that all of these trials and the judges and courts is actually helping his cause because, of course, his rallying cry is, this is a witch hunt. <laughs> he just gets to permanently send out newsletters asking for more money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's persecution of a political opponent, and that's going to ring... That's not ring true, but it's going to resonate with his base, who will be like, yeah, you know what? I totally agree. Yeah. He is being persecuted. But that's what he... That was, that was the play last time, basically. And this time it's going to work again, right? But it didn't work last time, did it? It almost worked. It worked well enough to make him like competitive, kind of. And but he is less popular now than he was as president. He's less popular now than he was in his presidential campaign. But he is still winning the nomination for the Republican, and it's not even close either. Yeah. So he's probably, unless something seriously dramatic happens, he's probably going to be the Republican nominee. Um, But everything could go very wrong for them immediately after that. Okay. Should we leave it there? Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about more Trump. This reminds me, I think at the end of the last episode, but it might have been the one before that, um, we were talking about how, or at, during the episode, we talked about how Boris hadn't handed over his his uh, his WhatsApp oh, yeah. to, uh, to uh, the inquiry over here. And then he did immediately after the episode. <laughs> he did. So, so he did that, everybody. In case you didn't hear the news like a month ago, uh, right after we talked about how he was failing to hand over the evidence, he did. And nothing's happened since. Except the government asked for the evidence to be sent to them or something like that. But hey, progress. It's a lot of WhatsApps to yeah. forward. <laughs> One at a time. Okay. 
Okay, let's move on and talk about our second favorite person on this oh, podcast. No. I'm pretty confident by if we tallied up the amount of episodes we've talked about Mr. Trump and also this person here. Yeah, would yeah, be number top one two. and number two. Boris, maybe three, maybe, because he's been around yep. since we started. Sturgeon four. Probably. Maybe Nigel Farage five. Mm, we'll have to go he's back not been in so much for a whole... For, he, he was like a, gone for a, a long time a long and then time. only came yeah. back a few months ago. That is true. Okay, well, time to talk about uh, Mr. Number Two, aptly named Mr. Elon Musk, because his website is now called X. It is no longer called Twitter. It's called X. Yeah. And it started with him chucking the bird logo at the end of July into just a big X, which illuminates during the night. And suddenly oh, the on app, the building, yeah. On the building itself, yep. Yeah. And then the app, the, the bird disappeared. It's now just an X. And then officially, a nice the X. name of the site was gone. It is now just called X. And in every article I've seen... What's the domain, though? It's been referred to as X, formerly known as Twitter. I know, because it's going to have to be forever because it's such a bad business move. Yep. Like, so I don't know how much of their valuation was in their branding, but it was a lot more than this, like than a quid. You know, you don't recover from changing your branding in, in this way. It's so clumsy. Why? Well, okay. So the actual reason why is because Elon Musk is a weird edge lord who thinks that the letter X is really cool and needs to be used cool, for some site yeah. because he tried to call PayPal like XPay or something like that way back in the day with the domain X. Okay. He's tried, he's, he's got a company called SpaceX. Huh? Um, True. He's he's held on to this or he's kept buying back his X domain and tried to convince boards of many companies to use it before because he thinks it's just so cool and so good. And now he's got a board that has to listen to him. He's the decision maker at formerly Twitter X. Um, and now he's called the site X. However, um, he didn't do a good brand shift. If you're changing your brand, it, it it has to be all at once. You do the full package and you make it a big fanfare thing. You don't just like change the logo one day, change the name the next day, spend a week brainstorming what you're going to call tweets afterwards. Maybe after that, buy the domain and make it point to Twitter I think he said initially they're going to call them X's, and then he realized that that's really stupid. And then he said they're going to call them posts, which is just, again, bland. incredibly bland and boring. But obviously better than X's because, yep. you know, everybody was making jokes about they should call them X excrement, excretes. Nice. All of these things. X is just not a good name for a site, especially not a forum one. Um, yeah. But no, it's just it's just Edgelord Edgelord Elon thinking the X is cool, doing a really, really embarrassingly bad job of a brand change and immediately wiping a ton of the, wiping, a ton of the valuation off of the company. Um just on that point, just you talked about his uh, fascination or his being so enamored with the letter X, he also launched a new artificial intelligence startup called yeah. XAI. He just loves it. What was his, he, what, surely one of the letters in his kid's name, his pretend name for one of his kids was X, right? I'm sure it was. I'm he, sure, he loves yeah. the letter X for some reason. And Man is unhinged. He's tried to convince people smarter than him that it's good before, and they've said no. But now he is the person in charge, and that's making all the difference. But it really shows just how how smart he is. If you have been wondering, maybe Elon's just got some mastermind plan. The fact that he 
did not even manage to do a good rollout of a brand change. Just proves that he's got no long-term brain. He can't think of the future. Well, his his long-term plan is that X will become an everything site. Yeah, he wants to make it like the WeChat of the of the United States. Yeah, so WeChat being the social media platform in China, which does do everything. Shopping, yeah. messaging, banking, all of that. So that is apparently the goal here. It's a pretty good goal. And in a, if you've got a map. In an email to employees on Monday from the new CEO, Linda Yaccarino, she said that X will now develop experiences in video, audio, messaging, banking, and payments yeah. that will delight users. He's, he's wanting to get into everything, yeah. And all of that is very expensive, and they don't have any money. Um, <laughs> they can't even pay their rent. So it's, true. it's one of those things, like, yes, very smart plan to say, we're going to be the website that people do everything on, and we get all the money from. I could say that. I could, I could just say that as well, that I'm going to make the website that everybody uses to do everything and I get free money from it. Mm-hmm. you got to have an actual plan as well. And yeah, they've got a little bit of flexibility in terms of money more than we do. You know, they've got more money than I do, so they've got a better chance of, of achieving this. But it is so delusional to think that it's going to happen and that, need, uh, the, and that the, the X brand change had to happen in this way. There's, I... And the, the sad part is, it was really fun watching the downfall of Twitter. Yeah. And now it's over. It's called X. Goodbye, bird. Uh, it's not going to be as fun watching the downfall of X as it was watching the downfall of Twitter. No, I know. But no, I, I actually do expect that they'll change the name back. Um, you if, think? If, I doubt it. Probably. Once they realize how built into the history of the internet the name Twitter is. Because they get a lot of traffic just from people thinking about Twitter. That is true. And a lot of traffic from people clicking on things about Twitter. And if they try to completely detach X from Twitter, that's not going to be the case anymore. They're going to lose traffic. They're going to lose uh, legitimacy. They already have lost legitimacy, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. So. Okay, just a brief side note, talking off businesses that have consistently lost money. Did you see this week that Uber, for the first time in its history, no? made a profit? Wow. Yeah. That sounds like they stopped paying their drivers a living wage. So they have, uh, over the last 10 years, navigated a cumulative operating loss of $31 billion. Okay. Mm-hmm. They have now posted, for the first time ever, a profit well done. of £326 million. Pounds. So that's quite a big profit. I think that's 1% of the way to eradicating those losses. Money's pretend. Hey, the losses aren't real. It's They'll be fine. Um, and and especially they will be fine once oh, they will, yeah. driverless cars exist and they're, they're the company that's got the infrastructure to enable it the fastest, you know? Their goal isn't to have a business that sustains contracted drivers. Their goal is to have no drivers. All the people that are driving for them right now are just like yeah. in the oil rush. And the oil is going to run out. Speaking of which, uh, the other thing we didn't talk about was Rishi Sunak announcing... And it's not really an oil rush because it gets so underpaid, again. But yeah, speaking of speaking which... Speaking of which, Rishi Sunak, green lighting, was it 100 new North Sea oil and gas licenses? Yeah, and then Greenpeace climbed his because roof. Because he said, hey, if we, if we have our own oil and gas, then we don't have to import any. And He's right. He is... Lying, no, but because yeah, no, the, the, what he on. said is the truth. But we don't, yeah, what he said is the truth. But he is still lying. So 
we currently, as the UK, we import about is this something like eight percent of our oil and gas? We import it from Norway and like a tiny bit from Russia, and we export about eighty percent of the stuff. My math is way off, but we export <laughs> a huge amount of oil and gas that we actually bring in in the UK. You're right, and so this ain't about. Oh, if we if we have new oil and gas licenses, we'll get to keep no, all no. of it, and we can keep our prices low. No, no, it's about no. increasing the amount of money you make from this yeah. because you can export even more. Right, but he's he's but the, he he's making it sound like it will be for the taxpayer, and that Britain is exporting it, and that we get the money or that we get the oil. Yeah, it's all whenever we do it in Britain, we give it to BP or whatever other company. They pay us pennies and then they make all the money nice so some rich people whose money goes into other countries banks mainly the united states in their stock exchange is going to make a bunch of money off of new oil so yes if britain did take care of its own oil and gas needs we would be able to do that by having more oil and gas but we don't because it all goes to private companies and we store basically nothing so we don't even benefit from like having more available because we don't put any into any reserves or anything so we still just buy everything at market price anyway we still deal at market price anyway so we are still going to be completely vulnerable to market prices and those market prices are as we've seen many times before artificial so whenever the societies want to make more money they will they will make less oil and yeah make the prices higher and it will happen again and again and again and we're not going to benefit but bp will i guess or some other company who buys the 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 license will yay but you know what you know what came out as well labor again coming out and saying oh we won't change anything Surprise. No, no, no. So did you also see the Saudis announced that they were going to continue to cut the amount of oil that they go and get I to didn't, maintain but I'm not surprised. the current rise in oil prices? Yeah, they, what, they've, they've, they've benefited from price hikes and they've realized we kind of like <laughs> these prices. We're going to try and keep these prices. It's kind of like all the, all the people who were selling food at, at high prices, preempting a spike and then there wasn't a spike. They haven't stopped selling the food at high prices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, to the stores, um, not to us, but yeah. Um, on the oil thing as well, because we should mention it, Greenpeace climbed Rishi's roof. They did. They all got arrested. Yeah, they got a wee bit arrested. The government has cut ties with Greenpeace because they climbed oh, Rishi's roof. How dare they? But it is, I feel like it's a little bit embarrassing to be able to access the roof of the prime minister's house, even if he wasn't there. It's a little bit embarrassing that somebody managed to do that, to be honest. Sounds like he did it quite easily as well. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I especially the current prime minister. I would feel like their house would have somebody there at all times, just to be like you'd think, making sure there's no tampering going on. Anyway, let's take a sideways step into entertainment. Barbie, after 17 days of release, yeah. has surpassed the billion dollar mark worldwide. Well done. This means it is the hard to believe. Actually, I didn't know this. The first woman director to join the billion dollar club. Well done, Greta Gerwig. Well done. You deserve it. So, movie, which I'm yet to see, Mm -hmm. is uh, doing exceptionally well. It is. As is Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's recently passed the $500 million mark, which makes it, I believe, the most successful war movie ever. All right. Uh, Not adjusted for inflation, but it will soon catch up to Saving Private Ryan and Dunkirk. 
Yes. But it's doing very well as well. And I did see Oppenheimer, so I will review that shortly. Ah, okay. Does does this mean... What, what does this mean then for the future of cinema? Because mm. we have, as we've talked about Mm-mm. for a long time now, audiences seemingly sick of r- sequels, same IP being done to death. This... Uh, two new things. One, based off the story of a random guy who most people never knew existed including myself huh? wait what and another one no i never genuinely never heard of him nope i mean i knew the i knew the quote that he used i just didn't realize it was him okay and the other film here about barbie is based on established ip but we've never seen a movie about it so does this mean no in fact sorry i'm gonna rephrase i know there are now other ip All movies right. in the making like apparently Polly Pocket that, yeah, that's is what married. I mean so the lesson learned isn't like make good films it's not gonna be make films that are good like Barbie is and make films that are good like Oppenheimer is although right. Christopher Nolan does get free money to make good films and he usually makes he does at least mediocre films um, hopefully the lesson he's learned is have your dialogue be audible and keep making films um, but yeah, the lessons learned from Barbie isn't going to be like make good films about maybe things that people recognize. Um, it's going to be make films about things people recognize. Yeah. They're just going to make films about things that they think already have the audience. Kind of like every game film that's been made where they try to make a film sure. from a game. They're like, oh, all the gamers will love this. But they just make a mediocre film that is worse than the game. So nobody watches it. Also true. So I don't think there'll be good lessons learned. There should be good lessons learned. But Hollywood and other industries in the film sphere are incredibly cheap and lazy to the degree where they want to hire AI actors, yeah. writers, everything, even though the AI is still trash um, and humans are are, are better. Um, so they're not going to learn the right lessons. No way. Did you see? But maybe the- there will still be like a Barbie-esque film every four to five years yeah. that is very, very good. It's sorry. Two two points. First of all, on the AI, did you see that Marvel used AI to make the opening credits of their newest yeah. show? I think was it called something? Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Did I, I think we mentioned that. Maybe we didn't. Um, yeah, they used AI. And of course, it looked like trash. It did look like trash. It was deliberate, um, and they 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 did hire a company to do it, and there was AI that was being like retouched by people. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like using AI to... Yeah, we did talk about this because I I said using AI as it is right now to make anything that you're making money from is a risk because we do not know if it's going to be seen as fair use or not yet. Okay. Um, So it was a bit stupid of them to do that Um, and especially for it to come out looking like trash and like it was a minute and a half long. What on earth? (laughs) What kind of opening credits need to be long? I've not enjoyed opening credits since Daredevil. Well, I mean, if it's going to be that length, for sure, I'm fully in favor it better of be good. Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad credits, which give you, what, one name and maybe a seven or eight second jingle? Uh, two screens, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. If it's going to be super long, it better be super good and super artsy with a really good bit of music. I watched, and we are, I'll talk about it, I did watch Secret Invasion and the credits, I hated Did you? I did, I did. Okay. Can I come back to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before we move on, Warner Brothers also had to apologize because they were jumping on the Barbenheimer bandwagon and posting images of oh, the funny on memes. social media of Barbie superimposed with memes, mushroom clouds yeah. to uh, Japanese social media. Yeah. And as you can imagine, yeah. the Japanese were very upset about this and they had to then issue, issue a very quick apology. Yeah, corporations are not people. Um, and corporations need to remember that when people can make funny memes that are dark and edgy, corporations can't. Nope. 
they just can't. So yeah, that's what that ha- that's that's a thing that has happened, and I am yet to go to see Barbie, but I will because I like to see it. Reviews have been good. No, it's it's good. It's good to see both films having success. It's it's very good to see the Barbie film having success. Um, yeah, I do. I do hope that we keep seeing decent films come out. However, we have been in a writer's strike we for have. a long time now. And actors now. Um, so the next year, maybe there's going to be no good films. We will see. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe it could be a while until TV and film is I good. know they're meeting... And quite a lot of it's already bad, so... The unions have been meeting with studio execs as of this week, so... Yeah. Guess we'll find out. Although we had... I saw Billy Porter, who was an Emmy Award winner, saying he has already had to sell his house because he literally can't afford it anymore cool. yeah absolutely and he should so, it is affecting um, people even the famous people well yeah well because like any other union it is the people at the bottom that are suffering the most and that's why the strike's happening the strike isn't happening because you know the, the big famous names are worried about their income in the future the strikes are happening because well for especially writers but um for screen actors the strikes are happening because they already aren't earning enough to survive well and any change to that is going to just doom the industry for people. Yeah. And it will just be stars and nobody else. So these strikes are important, um, but it's just another industry that exploits the majority of the people working in it and then some people at the top benefit. So it's good to see the people at the top going on strike as well, as they have to, because they're in the union. Okay, well, indeed. <laughs> well, talking off Oppenheimer, it is one of two movies I have seen, so I'm going to tell you all about it. All right. It is... Still in cinemas. It's in IMAX, I think, for at least another week. It got because prolonged, yeah. They're... Basically, Christopher Nolan is a big IMAX fanboy, and they love him too. Yeah. So giving him all the screens to make all the money. Yeah, he's. I think he booked more time for it to be in IMAX in certain places. Well, it's, it's really interesting, actually, because Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, oh, no. which I believe has about three semicolons in it, oh, no. was only in IMAX for a week, and Tom Cruise is very upset about this, but it's because they refused to move their launch date for Oppenheimer. Right. So they only got it for a week. Ah, uh, unlucky, unlucky Tom. Tom. Unlucky. Maybe ask your cult for more help next time. I will tell you about Dead Reckoning Part 1 in just a second. Oppenheimer, as discussed, Killian Murphy, best known from his role as Thomas Shelby in that TV show that I've forgotten Peaky the name Blinders. of. Peaky Blinders. Thank you very much. Killian Murphy as J. Robert Oppenheimer, who is known as the father of the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. As well as usual Nolan collaborators, mm-hmm. Matt Damon, mm-hmm. Emily Blunt, Josh Hartnett, mm-hmm. Casey mm-hmm. Affleck, Rami Malek, mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh, of course, mm-hmm. Jason Clark, Tom Conti, Florence Pugh, and Robert Downey Jr. It's a lot of names. As Louis Strauss. It's all, I mean, there's, and that's just some of them. There's David Dastamalshans in this as well. Mm-hmm. Dane DeHaan, Alden Ehrenreich, mm-hmm. the former Han Solo for that doomed movie. Yeah, it was a there good are film. so many. Jo- Jack Quaid from The Boys is in this as well. There's oh, loads yeah, yeah, of these. Yeah, yeah. Josh Peck, Drake's brother. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. Sorry, Drake from Drake and Josh, not not the Drake. That's a different. A different not brother. the Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, not that Drake. Oppenheimer, not that Drake. As you'd expect from a Nolan film, it's very long. Yes. The dialogue at points is difficult to make out no. and the narrative structure as you'd expect is higgledy piggledy a bit wonky so it jumps from there are two timelines in the movie no. that are that are happening 
concurrently and they kind of switch to and fro. Why? How they wrote this, how they edited this must have been an absolute nightmare. But to give you the idea, there is the fusion timeline and the fission timeline. And the former is set in, I believe, the early 1960s, yeah, early 1960s, maybe late 1950s, with Robert Downey Jr.'s character of Louis Strauss, who is the US senator, yeah, in a hearing to be made a member of the cabinet. And he is being probed uh. about his relationship with Mr. Oppenheimer, who at that point is a disgraced former Rah. scientist. Ugh. And during the course of that hearing... There are many, many flashbacks. So okay. Louis Strauss, the character of RDJ is playing, will say things like, well, I first met oh, Oppenheimer no. in 1947. <laughs> and then just like that, they segue to the 1947 scene. Sorry, that's so cliche. I love it. And then halfway through that discussion where the two of them are meeting uh, in 1947, the character of Oppenheimer will say something and then it'll cut to the other timeline. Now, the other timeline is Oppenheimer in front of a parole board about to be decided if his security clearance is being continued or not. And as you can imagine, they are throwing the book at him for all of his historical Mm -hmm. feelings. And then, what the movie details, this is a true-ish story, the fact that Oppenheimer had some communist sympathies and his brother and his sister-in-law were known communists yeah and his first wife was a known communist and this man was also then yeah which obviously communists all, all incredibly terrible. evil yeah. they are ter- all terrible people they must be imprisoned immediately and then after his role in essentially creating the atomic bomb this was delved into by people who perhaps had it in for him because they didn't like him what he was also a jew what so what all of these things play out over the space of three hours and i kid you not there is not a single scene without intense rapid fire dialogue you need a full like 12 hours of sleep have at least a couple of coffees do not once check your watch or your phone don't start talking to someone next year if you're watching this at home you need to concentrate because if you stop for a single second you will be lost and that is okay it's so nolan that being said Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That being said, the whole film. I did really enjoy it. So yeah, of course, yeah, it's a Dublin film. It's enjoyable. Performances. Killian Murphy. I'm telling you now, is going to win Best Actor. Oh yeah, for his role as Oppenheimer. I can almost, unless we see Leonardo DiCaprio, the Oscars, absolutely knock out of the park in Killers of the Flower Moon, which he may well. He might do. Looks like a good he is, film. Murphy is at least getting a nomination, and I yes. presume he will win because he is phenomenal in this movie. But the rest of the cast and characters, Robert Downey Jr., I'm convinced will get a second nice. Best Supporting yeah. Actor nod. He is very, very good mm-hmm. as Louis Strauss, and he finally did the thing oh. where I stopped thinking I was watching Tony Stark. He actually hey. did some acting, as he does in Tropic Thunder. So... Which is what he got his other Oscar nod for. A little bit different, yeah. But a bit different, I guess. A little bit different. So performances <laughs> round round the board, over the, all over the clock. It's fantastic. All right. Matt Damon, very, very good. Of course. Emily Blunt, excellent. Yes. So all of these people, top marks. Nicely shot, nicely edited. 
sure, you have to have brain on the entire time. Yeah. And it is monumentally long. But the sequence in which they build up to the first test and the the way in which Nolan plays with the things that Oppenheimer is saying versus what he perhaps is feeling at the time and the way there's a lot of these, yeah, kind of cuts that you don't really notice and then suddenly they're in a just different time, different place. Right. That is... Brain on. Brain on. But what it do- what the film does do, and I believe this is the reaction of probably screen tests, okay. is there's a couple of moments where there are callbacks to scenes that we've already seen. Uh-huh. Because they're now being brought up in a different context. And rather than just reference, for example, yeah, but Strauss Strauss was was embarrassed by Oppenheimer in that meeting in 49. We've already seen that scene Uh as an audience. Yeah. But... Nolan has decided to show you the clips or just so like actual s- some shots from that scene. S- he's watched some anime, basically. He's realized that sometimes the audience the is so callback. stupid that you actually just need to replay the stuff you drew earlier. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I never like that. So I was... Yeah, so that was the one thing I yeah. thought, this feels like the reaction to a test screening. The set screen test, because yeah. yeah. You see that. For looks, me, yeah. I was following just fine. But they still gave you the reference anyway. So Yeah, I, I never enjoy that. That was a little bit obvious, I thought, but that aside, look, I, I did really enjoy it. It is Christopher Nolan. It's good stuff. It's narrative um yeah. messiness for the sake of it. But look, it, it it's done in a really interesting way and more interesting than if you had just done it chronologically. Okay. For sure. I got I got one question about the overall story. Do they What's your- do they address the uh what they did, let's say, to the uh, indigenous population in the area that they kind of took over to develop uh, the bomb? Not really. Okay, they There's should have. There's a couple of nods to they it. probably should have. And that's about it. I'm going to say, if you're going to make a film about how bad Oppenheimer is and or isn't, you should probably address yep. the people that they took advantage of and, and killed to get this bomb made. They are. It's given maybe two two sentences. I'm not happy. And that's about it. Okay. Okay. I, I I'm still gonna, I'm going to watch the film and I, I will I will judge them for yes. for their lack of awareness and and just at least acknowledging that because that's I, when I was reading I've read a lot about uh-huh. a lot of things and this is Oppenheimer someone I've read about and then I, that it's something that isn't really touched guy. on often enough is is that the, the people were actually just taken advantage of to a very unacceptable degree to get this done and. It wasn't the white people that were doing the dangerous jobs sometimes, shall we say. Yeah. On that note, dangerous things, not quite the same level. Tom Cruise. Sure. Uh-huh. Riding motorbikes off a cliff. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Okay. Which does have a lot more punctuation in it than I just gave. Okay. But it is also Mission. out in cinemas. It's maybe Colon. giving one screen a day because of how ubiquitous the other films are so popular barbenheimer currently is and will be i imagine for the next month man they really should have delayed their release what is he thinking i don't know why they haven't because it's being absolutely destroyed in the box office i'm pretty sure it's going to do its worst yeah they got no box office performance since the first movie or maybe since the second movie which is yeah for inflation 
terrible. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I'm sure people will pour over it for years to come. I don't know why you wouldn't move it if you knew yeah. that Barbenheimer was going to come in and absolutely demolish yeah, you. Because two films releasing at once, they've got their share. They've booked their share of screens. Yeah. But if you release just after them, you're less likely to be getting a fair share of the screens. And the other thing is that Barbenheimer has been out for about three weeks and it's only this Friday or maybe it was last Friday, where we are finally seeing some new movies. Joyride, which is a, a comedy. It's just come out. Yeah. Because every other studio realised, huh, if we release something in this time frame, we ain't making a penny. Well, we better push back. And that's essentially what happened. I went to see Dead Reckoning Part 1 okay. in basically an empty screen. Wow. Because... It was Barbie and Oppenheimer, and everyone was going to see that. That's so, huge, because the Mission Impossible films are usually the big deal. Usually, yes. That other films delay themselves and, for. And here's the, th- here's the thing. I enjoyed this latest installment of Mission Impossible. In my eyes, one of the best franchises, best action franchises, most consistent. Well, most consistent, yeah. Action yeah. franchises. Consistently enjoyable stuff. I, I remember we yes. I reviewed Fallout and Rogue Nation recently, both of which yeah, I've enjoyed all of them. Excellent films. Yeah. Ghost Nation as well, I believe. Oh, sorry, Ghost Protocol. That's it. Those three. <laughs> Rogue Nation. Ghost Nation. <laughs> no Nation. Different movie. <laughs> but these are those that run of three movies. Really good stuff. Really strong stuff. Yeah. This yeah. is where it begins to fall off a little bit. Oh. So. I still enjoyed it. Look, don't get me wrong. Still a fun time. Yeah. But as soon as I left the cinema, every frame of it had disappeared from my mind. Understandable. It wasn't like seeing Henry Cavill reload his arms. <laughs> I wanted to see that again, man. It's so in, funny. In the last movie, which has become like a meme. It's so good, though. And sure, it. but it's the other, the other qualm I had with this is that in the trailers, they spoiled the big moment. Which was ah okay yeah Tom Cruise driving driving riding a motorbike off a cliff which he yeah. genuinely did he actually yeah. did it seven times yeah 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 and and every single time they were like and they showed us that in the, the trailer whole, the whole behind the scenes people were all looking over the cliff and then they'd be eventually being like oh, I saw a canopy oh it's okay <laughs> right so there's there's two issues I would then bring up the first one is. When that moment happens in the film, it loses all of its, so it's actually moments. Because as you'd imagine, this is like near the end of the movie when that happens. No, not really. I thought when I saw that in the trailer, I was like, oh, that'll be like early in the film. No, no, no. That's near the end. To like man. really surprise us. Kind of like nope. the motorbike stunts in like the last James Bond film. I thought, oh, they're doing that early to make us all like, oh, this is really cool. It, it's right at the end. And then when it happens, because you've seen it in the trailer like half a dozen times, yeah, it's, it's yeah, not it's all a, the oh, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe Tom Cruise did that. And sure when you watch it it's very obvious yep he's doing that for real yeah but because you've seen it so many times it's lost its suspense and then when they come to the bigger set piece which i will avoid spoiling but it's thank you it's a big one but it doesn't involve any people oh it's just they they did a thing to a thing and it's impressive and again, oh. very clear that it's real, that they did it. But like right after you watched Oppenheimer, it's like, oh, well, I've kind of seen this before. Right. Well, do you remember, it must have been, was it Skyfall? No, it wasn't Skyfall. It was another Bond movie where they did the biggest explosion in the history yeah. of, mo- of cinema. Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace, yeah. And when you saw that, you thought, wow, okay, that, yeah, that was cool. And clearly you did it for real. Yeah, but it really didn't work too well in but the it film. D- it didn't work because it was just, yeah. if you remember the shot, 
it's just an explosion from far away yeah. over the shoulder of James Bond and whatever girlfriend he had at that point. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, that was cool, but nothing. Yeah. Whereas if you see Tom Cruise do something crazy, you're far more invested because you're like, that's an actual human being doing a crazy, crazy thing. That man is 60. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I believe they got wrong... He still runs fast. ...in the marketing is they should have led with their version of the Quantum of Solace explosion. Because, look, it's cool, but did I care about it as much as Tom Cruise riding a bike off a cliff? Ruining that moment wouldn't have been quite as bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the movie does suffer from that. It's a movie about artificial intelligence being bad. Oh, boy. Which is... A little bit on the nose. Oh, yeah. It is bad, though, so I get it. Yeah, fair enough. And again, yeah, performances solid from everybody. Usual cast there, Rebecca Ferguson, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames. Uh, I think Isai Morales is the villain. And so is um, Pom Clementif, best known as Mantis from oh, right, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Of course. And this is an actual human who I, I didn't even recognize. She's good. Okay. But, but that's about it. It's just a, a very functional action movie okay and when you and when you compare it to the previous three installments it is not as good it's a significant step below and i cannot That's surprising i cannot put my finger on why do i know why do i know why because that motorbike was a stunt was originally meant to be halfway through one long film oh. but they've split the film into two parts oh well Dead Reckoning Part 2 is out next summer, and yeah. you are gonna bet it's gonna have to make more money than this one because this one is not done Okay. Right. I did watch stuff. I didn't put it on the list. Let's hear it. What have you watched? I've watched a lot of things, so I'll just talk about two of them because they're very related. I watched Secret Invasion. We talked about it. And Marvel TV show? I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Interesting. What did you think? So I went Marvel and Marvel. Secret Invasion. It could have been so cool if they set it up for about 10 years properly and then made a good show. <laughs> and But what they did right. was they kind of vaguely referenced like the... The, the the crawl or whatever they made that one they made yep. that they made that one film about it a little bit and then they made a very mediocre TV show and that's all it is the intro is insultingly bad but the show itself why is it mediocre it is just not that great and it has such potential because you're looking at Samuel L Jackson being the lead that's a huge if he makes anything mediocre it's like oh well that's a bit of a waste um, and then you've got a very cool kind of like setup here where you're looking at anybody in the world could be your enemy and they're really smart and they've embedded themselves into society and it's super dangerous. Right. And eh, they didn't really deliver on that. It was kind of like... It it was there, but it could have been a lot cooler. Um, The motivations of the villain, again, it's they they could have been very cool because uh, the, the motivations for this whole species are that they were promised something and humans failed to deliver and now retribution. Um, But then they made the main villain just like unnecessarily evil again like they always do where like nah. it's similar to the Captain America of, um, TV show or whatever All right. um, when there's like a villain who initially you're like oh there's there's hope here for someone with like a bit of a grey kind of villain arc and then they just went hyper evil kill everybody same thing happens it's just comically evil with again a very good actor wasting it there's in the in the finale i don't want to spoil it too directly there's a very good scene that they then just kind of like throw away by making it not real um uh, it's that's disappointing yeah it's 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 a whole show of just disappointment and the the gimmick the the uh the little the, the thing they're fighting over is again it's just a throwaway thing that 
uh, use it once and then that's it. They 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 invent it for the show. Uh, it's a one-off MacGuffin. It's never going to be referenced again. Uh, there's the whole fact that we're talking about someone in, in Nick Fury who has contact with every single Avenger possible and his yep. reason for not calling them in is like, oh, this is my problem and I'll deal with it. It's just, it's a very cheap show. And I think it's exactly the same thing we've seen with a lot of Star Wars, Marvel, Disney stuff is they've just hired a director who is willing to work with them and do what they want. Sure. And it makes a very bland product. And this has been a problem with Marvel and Star Wars for a decade? I don't know. <laughs> a long time, wherein they can't actually co- collaborate with creative people in a way that mm-hmm. allows those people to be creative. And we either end up with very bland show or film, or we end up with like very bland show or film with like one or two scenes where you're like, oh yeah, that's the director. So it's just it was just very disappointing. Okay, for for a TV show, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, similar feelings or how, what no, do you think? actually, because James Gunn has figured out how to work with Marvel, and he does make films that still feel like his films. Um, Fair enough. I think still disappointing, but after watching the second one a while ago and being disappointed, I was ready for disappointment in Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'd seen a lot of people reviewing this and being very, very upset with how bad it was. And I know people who thought it was very bad and I watched it and I was like, that's kind of actually okay. It was an okay film. Uh, so it surpassed by very low expectations and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it didn't have to do anything. It's one of the things. They didn't have to have a very cool setup plot for the secret invasion that Earth has been under for for the last fifty years or whatever, they could ju- they could just make up make make up a story and do it, and I think they did a good job. There was very emotional beats, similar to Guardians of the Galaxy two. There was strength in some of the emotional moments. There was very good writing for some of it. Yeah, yeah. and then there was very bad writing for the rest. Also fair. Um, there was huge plot holes. The climax of the film. I'll spoil this part because it's an older film. It has been over a while. The climax of the film at the end requires Star Lord to jump into space to try and get back to his friends, right? Yeah. And he freezes and basically there's like, oh, no, he's dead. And uh-huh. then he gets saved, whatever. I actually hoped they killed him right then. I was going to be like, oh, that's kind of cool. They, I thought they were doing that, yeah. Um, yeah, because they, they set up Rocket to die. And then I was like, oh, are they killing Star-Lord instead? That's kind of cool. Um, they didn't. Um, but he, as a character, is established as somebody who, whenever he wants, can tap his boots and summon a space mask. Why has he not got his Tappy Boots space mask? I know they destroyed a version of it in like one of the Avengers films. Why didn't he buy another one? Why is Space Man, who always has his magic space mask, not got it right now? That's just one of the many plot holes. So the film, very plot hole heavy. Lots of good emotional moments. The story is ultimately meaningless, but they do take the characters and do stuff with them. They do. They so do. the characters actually progressed in their stories. Rocket, shining star. Great. Bradley Cooper, excellent in, in, the, in the voiceover and stuff like that. Uh, and it was nice. The, the, the things that they did for almost every single one of the Guardians did work. So if we're establishing Guardians 2 as what they were working from, then I'm very happy because they redeemed even like Drax was less annoying and he got a bit of a character. Yeah, d- did you think, because that was my one takeaway that I remember, which was they did do a better job with Drax. Is that fair? He was way less insultingly bad. He was still not as good as Guardians 1. Sure. But if we're setting Guardians 2 as the baseline, this film delivered way more on the character and way more on everything. Um, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't like a good film. It was like, it was like, pretty good for a marvel film i enjoyed it but i didn't hate it and that's good 
Well, dear listener, if you have finished anything, let us know. Ceaseoperate at gmail.com, written form, audio form. We'll take it either way, and we will deliver it to the masses. Oh, I was also glad that they didn't the just make Gamora's story the same as her story of the first one. Because <laughs> yep. they, they could have. <laughs> yeah. They could have, but they did something different. And it did leave the door open for more, but also gave it an ending, which I was pleasantly surprised by. Uh, the legendary Star-Lord will return. In that voice. I think that's what it said at the end. I don't remember Okay, let's wrap up. We're going to talk four quickfire stories, starting with okay. the news that the Commonwealth Games could be over as we know it, because Ooh. the government of Alberta in Canada has pulled its support okay. for a bid to host the 2030 Commonwealth Games due to rising costs. It's very this expensive was to host. The government's uh, tourism and sports minister said the bill was estimated around about $2 billion which was a right. burden too high for the province to bear. So it's not just the, the actual country, it's just a province. Two yeah, billion province. dollars to host yeah. the games. And this is after just a few weeks since Victoria, the Australian province, pulled out of hosting 2026. Right. Which is just three years away. Yeah. So they were all set to do it, host it. But then they said, actually... These games are now going to cost three times what we imagined. Right. So uh, we are out. Sorry. Right. And now the Commonwealth Games Federation are desperately attempting to find other potential hosts just for like, the games in three years. Why don't you just host it so, where it's already been? This, this is, <laughs> just... to me, uh, obviously, quite interesting. I'm being very delicate here. It is, it is. Because the games in Glasgow were great obviously team scotland did very well Uh but the competition as a whole it is based around the idea of the commonwealth yes which which is is an idea which should be consigned to the annals of history yes but yet here we are competing every four years for these medals now to athletes to some of them this is what they work towards because it's their chance to to win something because it's not the world championships where all the best of the best of the best. It's the Commonwealth. So it's not quite... It's a subset of the world, a weird subset. Yeah, it's not quite the elite. And also what we've seen, even as recently as last year, was the the most prestigious athletes, the big names, the likes of Shelly Ann Fraser-Price from Jamaica, just decided not to bother competing because yeah. there were more prestigious events going on. Yeah. And that's where I believe the games are in a really tricky spot because... Do we want to continue on a games that should have just been left after the Commonwealth ended? Or do we desperately attempt to fund or find a place to host these games at a ridiculous cost to whoever is deciding to host? Yeah. I don't know. I suspect they'll find a way to make it work. But to me, it's a good chance to say, all right, games have been good. Bye. We're checking out. Yeah. Honestly, surely, I guess, as I just suggested, the only reasonable short-term solution is to host it where it's been hosted yeah. where the facilities already exist so the cost isn't making all these new facilities and hosting it the cost is just hosting it so most recent ones would be birmingham gold coast and yeah. glasgow uh, i think the plan for the next one that's just been cancelled basically was to kind of do a 
a group host. Yeah, yeah. Have several cities host different parts of it, which makes sense to me. I, like, obviously, anything to do with the Commonwealth, not good. You know, you're celebrating something that was just a country taking advantage of the rest of the world being weaker than them. Um, it is not good to celebrate the Commonwealth. However, it is good to have ties between countries that are significant. It is good to try and build something good, even from something that was evil. Um, so, I don't know. I, I can see why they wouldn't want to let go of the games. It does feel like a bit of a waste of time because... A-tier Olympics, B-tier, all the rest of the organizations doing their own thing. So, like, athletics does their own thing. Cycling does its own thing. C-tier, Commonwealth Games. Why do you need that? Who knows? But if they want it, I'm sure they can just host it where it isn't as expensive. They don't need to go to a new city. They don't need to be doing their version of the Olympics where it's, like, a new place every single time. Why? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about other news and go to the African nation of Niger where leaders of a yes. military coup have accused French forces Indeed. of freeing, uh, in their words, captured terrorists, as well as breaching a ban on the country's airspace in an attempt to destabilize the country. So France have mm-hmm. uh, promptly rejected the allegations. But this was after, on July 26th, soldiers from the country's presidential guard seized power yes. and have detained the elected president, Mohamed Bazoum. And instead, we have right. Colonel Amadou Abdramani. Sure, it's like good enough. Like- I think, who is, who is now in charge. It might be a few of them, I don't know. But uh, yeah, essentially what they said in a statement, after the coup happened... The Western African Nations Alliance came out and said, yo, Niger, what's going on? Get the president back in charge, please. And the people who took over the presidential palace said, uh, no. Right. And then they said, if anyone enters our airspace, you're in trouble. Yeah, we don't like you. They're now alleging that the French did so. Have done so, yeah. And uh, yeah, so this is still ongoing. A lot of uncertainty and yep. unanswered questions over who's in charge, where is the president, yep. and uh, what's going to happen next. So Yeah, and I, honestly, the last thing we want is like a whole bunch of Western interference. Um, it might Maybe it would help really quickly to, for the states to come in and do their own little coup and put their own person in charge like they've done to every other country in the world that is poor since whatever this, like, the 1900s began, maybe before to, even To be then. clear, sorry, not to offend the coup leaders, the actual... Leader is General Abdurami Chiani. There we go. Okay. Sorry, Mr. Chiani. Sorry. So if France is being a bit interfery, maybe it would just make things worse. We do. Ju- we do, ideally we want to see the direct allies have discussions, come to conclusions, interfere in whatever way they think is appropriate, without just like Europe swinging and going, "We're in charge again." Because every time we've done the "We're in charge" thing, it kind of just makes hundreds of years worth of poverty and sadness for everyone in those areas so um yeah i just think this is ongoing it uh, there's a it's a coup there's those happen apparently every year these days uh, in some country somewhere um it's obviously undermining any democracy bad if someone is voted in legitimately and you're you just have a coup to get rid of them not really that great pretty bad Uh, but they do have allies who are interested in the prosperity of their continent unlike europe who is interested in prospering from their continent or china who is interested in prospering from their continent we want allies who are interested in their own continent 
to be the ones that are at the forefront of like handling this. Okay. Penultimately, let's talk about Spank to America, where if you were concerned that democracy was under threat, you'd be right. <laughs> and thankfully, the people of Ohio have seen right through it. So this is the news that voters in Ohio have resoundingly rejected a Republican-backed measure that was that was going to make it more difficult to change the state's constitution. Mm-hmm. So this was, uh, it's called the Issue 1. And what the Republican-led Senate had put forward was that to change the constitution of the state, you would now need a 60% majority Mm. rather than, you know, the usual 50 plus one because that's a majority. They were saying, oh, no, no, no. It, that doesn't count as a majority. Now it needs to be 60. We need the old super majority. And the reason for that is because ahead of the campaign for the president, we know that the whole abortion rights argument is essentially going to be back on the agenda because after the Supreme Court overturned the nationwide protections last year, it's now been going through state by state, certain states enshrining abortion protections in its constitution. And Ohio, they have been attempting to do so. But they realize now, ah, we're going to need to raise the bar so that if people do want to change the constitution in our state, it's going to be difficult. So, yeah. hey, everybody, we're going to make it 60%. And Ohio vo- voters turned out and said, you can do that. And so That's, yeah. we're back like, in the good state on for showing up. Well done for showing up and voting to keep your power as a voter. Congrats. But this is, that is scary, though, that that's what they were attempting Just, to do. In general, the way that the states, uh, certain states within the United States work is kind of scary. The way that they try to manipulate vote voter power the way that they like gerrymander they they try to make ballots that are hard to understand all of these different things that they do successfully that the tories over here tried to kind of copy and kind of failed a little bit it is scary so it's no surprise that one of the states has decided we want to make changes for the future more difficult now that we've done all of our changes now that's not really shocking um so well done to the people who voted for like actually showing up Okay, one final story, and this is the news that former First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has announced that she is writing her memoirs, her autobiography. Because she's real old and done now. Due to hit the shelves in 2025, it's going to be deeply personal. Oh, sure. What do we think it's going to be called? Uh, Because I've got two suggestions. If she makes any fish puns, uh, that'll be cringe and bad, but maybe so cringe and bad that it's good. (laughs) Because she doesn't usually do the fish puns. Well, like a strong sur- sturgeon swims upstream, something like that. Well, no, but yes. You know exactly what I, like Anything fishy. I, I got you. Yeah. All right. Any, that, that's what it should be called. Anything fishy. My suggestions were going to be an okay. independent woman. Uh, yeah, I knew that was... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one was just going to be called... Fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I thought it was quite funny. No, that would work. Um... <laughs> It seems like it seems like it's a little bit early to be getting them memoirs out since you're still. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, usually if you're doing a memoirs, you're you're kind of counting yourself out of the out of life. Well, I'm not. Well, it's no, like, I'm done now. No, not quite. I would just say you're counting yourself out of a chapter of life, which she kind of is. She's closed the book on being the leader of a nation and whatnot. That's a perfectly good time to write a memoir if you're not being investigated for potential. A criminal action that you did while being a leader. You know, I feel like 
you wait till the case is closed and then you write the memoir because that chapter is actually done. Well, maybe it's 2025 because at that point she's confident she'll be exonerated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if maybe. she's found guilty, then it's going to be a very different book. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe the, the it's going to end on a little ellipsis, you know, the, just before the case is done. We get she's setting up a book too. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can, of course, get in touch, seesawparade at gmail.com because the account on X is dead uh, forever. Uh, uh, uh. Screw you, Elon. You ruined the hell site. Imagine taking the worst site in the world and making it worse. <laughs> exactly. How is that even possible? It was a terrible I site. Mean, you do that to Facebook every year, I guess. Uh, so. I know. Oh, well. Thanks for the chat, James. It's been good. No, it's been good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And be well. Let's uh, banish that throat infection. I will, I will. And we'll talk again sooner we will. Than, this, than this prolonged break that we had. Yeah. We'll see if we can keep up with the news in the meantime. All right. Indeed. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. bye, Sturgeon. Yeah, bye.